0: Welcome to the Opera Cheat Sheet. I'm St. John Flynn with Houston Public Media. And I'm Eric Skelly from ROCO, River Oaks Chamber Orchestra. And this time, we're talking about Carlisle Floyd's Susanna, which debuted at Florida State University in 1955. And this was the first big
1: success for Carlisle Floyd. As an opera composer, yeah, and he's since become—he's uh, the dean, in a sense, I would say, of, of American opera composers. I mean, he's still going. We've got another premiere to look forward to this year uh, by Carlisle Floyd. He came out of retirement to do it. Um, Prince but, of Players, Prince of Players, exactly. Uh, but Susanna is the one that started it all, and it, you know, it's—it's it's really interesting. This is a—this is an opera where I, I hear people talk about it. Uh, and everybody loves it. Everybody thinks it's a wonderful piece. But I sometimes hear people talk about it in the way that I hear people talk about, for instance, John Williams or, or folks that compose for film. And they sort of have a, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? I've heard Susanna called an opera with training wheels. It's, it's you know, and I think that is so reductive and so unjust for a work that is as successful as it is, not just by being popular, but by being an opera that takes its subject matter and really drives it home and and gives you a a real uh, visceral sense of what this this young woman goes through in the course of this opera, at the same time giving you glorious music to revel in. This is one
0: of two of his operas, the other being Of Mice and Men. They have both become part of the standard repertoire for many opera companies. Very much so. Very much so. Which is a testament to their quality,
1: one assumes. Right. But witness the fact that, that Susanna premiered in the mid-50s and didn't receive its Metropolitan Opera premiere until 1999, over 40 years later. Right. What's that about? You know, part of that is because it was a staple of the New York City opera right across the plaza. Phyllis Curtin was a very famous Susanna. Norman Traigle, a very famous Olin Blitch. And perhaps that was one reason why it stayed out of the Met repertoire for so long. But still. (laughs) Right. What the
0: heck? (laughs) Well, today its reputation is sort of solid and assured. It's based on a tale from the Apocrypha. Yes. Specifically, I think the 13th chapter of the book of Daniel, which is apocryphal. I think it's considered canonical in the, the Catholic and the Orthodox churches, but it's not considered part of the canonical Bible by most of the Protestant religions. Right. But it comes from the book of Daniel, the story of Susanna and the elders. Right. And what Carlisle Floyd does is takes that story, and he translates it to New Hope Valley, Tennessee, in the twentieth century. Right, rural Appalachia. Susanna, the title character, is a young girl of great humility from a very
1: modest family. Yeah, a family not, of not at modest all wealthy. Means. And when we say young girl, we're basically talking, you know, perhaps late teens, early twenties. She is also
0: very beautiful. Yes. She is a great beauty. Raised by her brother, Sam. Right. Sam Polk. Right. She is Susanna Polk. Sam is something of a drunk. And as the opera opens, the uh, local church that Susanna belongs to is holding a square dance. And Susanna is there and many of the other women members of the church are very jealous of her and her good looks because she is able to turn the heads of their husbands.
1: Yeah, yeah. Immediately we see this. And in a sense, it's kind of a a thematic distant cousin, perhaps, to Peter Grimes or to a work like— well, yeah, Peter Grimes, where you basically have a figure in the community that becomes an outcast. They don't like him, and they're going to rid themselves of him one way or the other. And that seems to be the case here with Susanna as well, simply because she's young and she's beautiful and the other women in this, in this small rural Appalachian community are just threatened by her, not through anything that she's done herself.
0: So the women are all gossiping about Susanna because of their jealousy and they're denigrating her. Right. Mrs. McLean, who is the wife of one of the church elders, says that you can't expect much from Susanna because she was raised by a drunken a drunk. brother. Yeah. And then the Reverend Olin Blitch appears. He is uh, newly arrived at the congregation as their pastor, and he asks Susanna to dance. Scandalous. Ooh, Scandalous. Susanna has an admirer. Ah, Little Bat. Little Bat, who
1: is the son of the McLeans. And it's never specifically stated here, but Little Bat, you get the distinct impression that Little Bat is challenged in some way. Right. We, we don't, they don't specify how, but he's clearly
0: a special needs case. Later that evening, Susanna is talking to Little Bat, talking about the dance and telling him, you know, what has gone on. Just then, Sam, her brother, returns from uh, hunting. He's been out hunting right and little bat scurries away right the next morning uh, and here's the pivotal scene right the next morning susanna in all modesty and completely
1: innocently goes down to a creek near her home to bathe in what she thinks is complete seclusion i mean she you know she's so far out into the into the woods that she she just doesn't think anything of it because she's as far as she knows, completely alone. But she's bathing naked.
0: Yes. And as she's bathing, the elders of the church, who are out supposedly looking for a suitable stream or creek to conduct a baptism in, Mm. they come across her. She doesn't see them, but they see her, and they are spying on her because
1: she's naked. Yes, and they are filled with... Naughty wrong, <laughs> naughty wrong thoughts naughty wrong thoughts they
0: turn those lustful thoughts into anger and scandal and outrage and they go back and they tell everybody this awful thing that susanna has done this horrible temptress who was exposing herself to them that evening there was a church dinner and susanna goes to the church dinner she's a member of the church but she's sent away. She's turned away and she doesn't understand why. Yeah, She goes home and Little Bat shows up and tells her that the reason that she was turned away is because the elders have denounced her because she was bathing nude. But it's
1: worse than that. It's way worse because they have basically badgered Little Bat into saying that she had made advances upon him seduced him seduced him which is a complete lie and the music you know in these scenes becomes so dramatic as you I mean you really feel the horror that Susanna feels you know as these people are just systematically destroying her reputation for no reason other than their own ignorance and uh and hypocrisy
0: Susanna's plight is not helped by her brother. No. Sam tells her that in order for this all to go away and for her to be absolved, that she needs to make a public confession. Right. And she very
1: rightly says, I don't have anything to confess. But at the same time, she agrees to go ahead and go to this uh, this, this revival meeting that Olin Blitch is holding, uh, where everybody is gathered and they're— you know, they're witnessing, and they're singing, and, uh, and Blitch Susanna— is Blitch is preaching. Blitch is preaching, and Susanna joins the crowd, and Blitch singles her out. And this is a very powerful scene. He, This is Blitch's big musical moment. He singles her out from the crowd and exhorts her to come forward and to confess her sins in front of everyone to him. And, of course— she refuses to do that. Right. And she runs away. Right. Which everyone then takes as an proof admission of, she's of guilt. guilt.
0: Proof of her guilt. After the service has ended, Blitch goes over to Susanna's house and offers to pray for her soul. Mm. However, once he realizes that she's alone in the house, he doesn't do much praying. Nope. He takes her in and basically forces himself on her. He rapes her, he does. The next day, Blitch returns to Susanna, because the night before, as he raped her, he realized that she was a virgin, yeah. And so all this about seducing little bat, etc., was a lie, completely false. And he is shamed. And he asks he returns to ask for her forgiveness. And he throws himself upon her mercy. And how does she respond? She says, forget it, dude. (laughs) (laughs) There's no forgiving what he did. Susanna tells Sam what has happened to her. And Sam is hell-bent on killing Blitch. He grabs his shotgun and he heads out to the baptism, the baptismal service that is taking place. Sam kills Blitch. He shoots him. And the community, inevitably thinking the worst of Susanna, believes that she has induced Sam. She has forced him to kill Blitch and therefore shares responsibility for that murder. And they all, (laughs) this is like
1: pitchforks and and torches. Yeah,
0: yeah. They they head over to her house to kick her out of the valley, New Hope Valley. But little Bat gets to her first and warns her. And when the townsfolk arrive, the vigilantes arrive, if you like. Yeah,
1: they're greeted with Susanna holding a shotgun on them. And this is, oh, this is, it's so tragic. Because basically they have ruined this girl's innocence. What basically happens is she holds a shotgun on them and we see that Susanna has changed because of what this small rural Appalachian society has done to her. She is no longer the young girl who, who had dreams of getting out of the valley and, and had her whole life ahead of her. And she's now embittered and she's cynical. And at the end of the opera, she, she turns to Little Bat and sort of leads him on to, into thinking that she's going to do what he said he'd done. And she slaps him and then, and then laughs Cynically and, and sad, kind of nastily, and it's it's so sad to see this character brought to that, and that's that's essentially how the opera ends, and brought to that by a religious community. Yeah, and it's so topical because how often, how how many times do we see that even today, you know, people who basically project their own internal struggles onto something else and try to legislate <laughs> against it or you know to try to stamp it out in some way I mean it happens almost almost every every day it seems like sometimes it's always in the in the news yeah so this is a it's an amazing opera and and the score oh man the score is so beautiful I mean you've got Olin Blitch's big scene the big revival scene is a very powerful scene uh, for a base right up there with you know Boris's coronation scene. Um, Boris Gudunov Boris Gudunov sorry thank you (laughs) then you've got Susanna and she has two breathtaking arias one is called Ain't It a Pretty Night which is toward the beginning of the opera this is the one where she dreams of getting out of the valley. And it's lyrical and it's soaring and it's gorgeous. And then in act two, she's got uh, an aria called The Trees on the Mountain. And you can see the change or you can hear the change. You can hear the change. It's, it's a sad plaintive aria it's beautiful but her experiences are uh inexorably changing her and not for the better gross injustice
0: carl floyd's susanna that's this week's opera cheat sheet i'm Sinjin flint and i'm eric skelly thank you for listening